do 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 Making your way in the world today takes everything you got. This comes to us from Jordan Maywood. Next up, we have Jordan. He's going to tell a joke. We got an answer for Jordan Maywood. Yes, Wood May. Hello, this is Penn Gillette. The possibility exists that if I were to actually listen to the Liberal Cube podcast featuring host Jordan Maywood, I could potentially enjoy it. Eh, I'll ring an endorsement, I guess. Potentially enjoy this episode, which will start after the other half of my magical comedy duo, Teller, gives us a countdown. Take it away, Teller. Hello, welcome to the Liberal Cube. My name is Jordan Maywood and I am the lackadaisical Liberal Cubicalist. I am going to do as I do at the top of every show when I remember to do so, and that is woing, woing? I'm gonna woing of some spoilers, you see? I'm going to rather warn of the possibility of spoilers of the things in the description. Specifically one of them, uh, Star Trek Discovery uh, Season 1 Finale. A lot of spoilers in that, if I do recall. Okay, uh, if you're unfamiliar with the podcast, I will push a button that will start a series of five-minute five, five minute timers like this. Ladies and gentlemen, let's get ready to review some things. Today's movie monologue sponsor is One Finger Death Brunch. Thank you for that sponsorship. The movie The First, if you are aware of this podcast at all and somehow have listened to previous some odd episodes, you will know that I am watching every James Bond movie in order of release date. And I've moved my way up to License to Kill. Yes. Uh, I feel like this is a good opportunity, let me just find it, to give my uh, James Bond rating scale, especially with regards to being in the Timothy Dalton 2 movie stretch here now. Where are we? Where are we? James Bond rating scale. Okay, so we have first place, my, my favorite James Bond, um, uh, Sean Connery. Then my second favorite uh, James Bond, uh, Roger Moore. Yeah. Tied for third is Pierce Brosnan and George Lazenby, or Lazenby if you prefer. Fourth is Daniel Craig, and then somewhere in the top ten is Timothy Dalton. So, needless to say, I was not exactly looking forward to these movies, uh, the two with him. Uh, they're just not great. They're very 80s. I don't like him as a James Bond. He, uh, he, I, I don't think he looks like James Bond, acts like James Bond. He doesn't feel like James Bond. These are almost, to me, not James Bond movies. So, for that reason, I'm going to give this one, like, a two. Yeah, <laughs> you know what's funny? Uh, I use threes for enjoyed while watching, but probably wouldn't watch again. Um, but the thing is, being a completionist when it comes to movie watching like this, uh, any time where I watch all James Bond movies, I'm not going to skip these because that would feel wronger than just watching a movie that I don't really care for. 
this is one of the many bonuses of uh, playing video games while watching movies. Really, uh, really sort of pays off uh, in cases like that. Oh shit! Did I open the wrong one? Uh, okay, so moving on to Free Fire. Where did that go? Free Fire. Okay. Uh, set in Boston in 1978, a meeting in a deserted warehouse between two gangs turns into a shootout and a game of survival. Uh, yeah, this is cool. Um, uh, this has come up from time to time where I've expressed my usual like of movies that sort of take place in one setting. Uh, this like whole movie takes place in this one warehouse. Uh, sort so, sort of sort of cool. Uh, the amount of people. The, the sort of being shot to death ratio is insane. Like, people get shot so many times in this movie and don't die. Uh, which is where some of the comedy comes in. Because this is a pretty funny movie. Uh, Rating-wise, I, I, I'd go like a solid 5. Yeah, I, I definitely would recommend... If you like action shootouts um, with a, a large dollop of ridiculous comedy, um, you know, if, if that sounds like it's up your alley, which it does sound like it's up my alley, you will like this. Speaking of ridiculous action, Kung Fu Hustle. Yes, I haven't seen this in a couple of years. Um, this movie's friggin' crazy. I, I, I wish they made more movies like this. This gets like a six out of five. It's, it's just like one of my favorite movies, uh, of all time, just period. And uh, a little behind-the-scenes action. It was my birthday weekend, so I watched uh, a couple of movies that I just really, uh, really like. Uh, and then also The Living Daylights. <laughs> uh, Kung Fu Hustle, it's... Uh, you just have to see it for yourself. You know what? Google uh, Kung Fu Hustle fight scenes, and uh, you'll see some crazy shit. Uh, last but not least, because we had the Timothy Dalton movie, of course, uh, Batman vs. Two-Face. So this is a Batman animated movie, which uh, statistically I have always loved, all of them that I've ever seen. This one was good. Uh, it had some interesting things going for it. First of all, it was uh, the old Batman, the 60s Batman. Uh, it was voiced by uh, Adam West, rest in peace. Uh, it's got Robin uh, voiced by Burt Ward, the original uh, Robin, so, so pretty cool there. Also very cool, Two-Face was voiced by William Shatner. So very cool. Uh, of those three people, Adam West, Burt Ward, and William Shatner, I have met two of them and got their autograph on Nerd Kane. If you were to Google Nerd Kane Adventures, you could see what I mean by that. Uh, yeah, uh... It's like a old school meets new-ish anime. It was it was pretty good. Like I, I think I just have to go like a three and a half. It didn't blow me away compared to some of the Batman animated stuff. Today's Television Talk sponsor is the Christopher Pike Medal of Valor. Thank you. Sponsorship. Okay, uh, I'm somewhat confident that I will, in a second, cut to me explaining something. On the off chance that I don't do it well, what's going to happen is, uh, just very, very briefly, so I don't explain it too deeply twice, uh, I watched the season finale of Star Trek Discovery, 
uh, immediately stopped and hit record and uh, recorded my hot take of that episode, which I really enjoyed. Uh, and I think instead of the normal five minutes, it's like ten plus minutes long just because I had so much to say. Uh, I've never done a hot take like that, so uh, I think it came out pretty good. And at the very least, I know it oozes my excitement of the show, which is, uh, you know, as a Star Trek fan, uh, oozing Star Trek fandom is of interest, potentially. So uh, you'll hear that start in a second, and then we'll get back to the regular, uh, we'll, we'll, uh, regular show. Okay, now. Editing. 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 Uh, thank you, Jordan, for that. Um, realize that I'm talking to myself in the future right now because I haven't recorded what I just said before I'm what I'm saying now, which is weird. Uh, will I explain it before? Am I going to explain it now? Uh, what if I forget to explain it in the future? Okay, so basically what is happening is this is my hot take of the episode, uh, final season finale of Star Trek Discovery, season one finale. Uh, there, uh, I've explained. Um, and what I'm doing is I literally just stopped watching it because it just finished in me pushing play and watching. Oh, God. I've never done a hot take before, and I'm all uh, kerfuffled. I'm all fluffulated. Uh, okay, so we open Earth. I, I took like notes too, which is something else I don't do very often. Just the the, the, the excitement, bubbling, uh, words difficult. Uh, yeah, so uh, we open on uh, Earth, which uh, you don't get to see Earth so much in Star Trek as a sort of general rule. Uh, Earth uh, about to be goddamn attacked by Klingons. Klingons, which is not a good thing for Earth to be in that position, really. Uh, then we uh, cut over to Kronos, um, and Philippa from the evil dimension, as I like to call it, sometimes referred to as the sexy dimension because people seem to ooze sexuality more. Uh, she's large and in charge. Um, but also evil, did I mention? So it, it's sort of an act of desperation, uh, and, and that act of desperation of putting her in charge because she can get the job done no matter what, even if it's evilness, uh, is like uh, desperate times. So I, I thought because of the saying, uh, desperate times call for desperate measures, a good uh, a title for this episode would be uh, The Call of Desperate Times. Oh... It's pretty nice, right? Uh, I forget what this episode's actually called. Uh, anyways, uh, so the sort of plan is they've got to penetrate the Cleon homeworld of Kronos. Kronos, of course, spelt with the letter Q for some reason. Which is weird. But aliens, so there's that. Uh, the point of penetration is at or near... Uh, an area of the planet that has been sort of given over or heavily populated by the Orions. Uh, if you're unfamiliar with the Orions, uh, I think I probably have said this in past podcasts somewhere in these past 440 plus episodes, that uh, I always felt like Orions in the Star Trek universe have been underutilized, so it was nice to see them here. Um, although they didn't really use them that much again. <laughs> uh, it, it, they're sort of like the the Star Trek version of Mafia is kind of how they're treated a lot of the time. Uh, mafia, maybe a little bit slavers, maybe pirates. Like they're the, the, the sort of a scum and villainy is how they're often portrayed. That that sort of idea, and 
in Star Trek, uh, specifically probably the next generation more than anything, that sort of idea of all good, all humans are good, the goodness of humans has trumped all negative aspect of humans. Uh, it, it's not great for story writing. It's sort of famously hard to write uh, stories around a group of people who are all good all the time. So uh, it's nice to get in a little uh, little dirt every now and then, which uh, I think the Orions help with. Uh, so uh, they're in the uh, Orion City on the Klingon homeworld. Very sort of Blade Runner-esque uh, in both look and feel. Uh, up to including like a fucking uh, giant holographic uh, thing like walking around. Uh, they go into, of course, a sex den. <laughs> uh, yeah, this uh, Star Trek, uh, you don't get much sex dens in, in other incarnations of Star Trek. Uh, Tilly uh, comes on the mission, which uh, I don't think you can pick a better character to bring along on a mission that involves a sex den than, than Tilly. Friggin' love that. Uh, uh, basically, the uh, uh, Ash, who's the sort of Klingon hybrid guy, uh, he's sort of using his Klingon memories to uh, pinpoint a spot on this planet where they can go and access uh, volcanoes that uh, they'll then go into and then scan the whole planet for reasons. Uh, yeah, a little, uh, a little reasony just some of it some of the plot like that didn't quite meld for me exactly let's say um and then there's sort of the worry that uh, him using his uh, klingon memories is going to corrupt the human uh, side of him so there there's that worry uh then uh, in this uh, sex den uh, a bit of a hookah lounge slash opium den as well. Lots of different dens, I guess. Not man den, oddly enough. Uh, we meet up with goddamn motherfucking Clint Howard. Uh, brother of Ron Howard, if you were unfamiliar. Uh, Clint Howard. Uh, Google him if you don't know, but I can guarantee you once you get a look at him, he will be an actor that you most likely, likely will recognize as he's been in a... A shit ton of things up to and fucking including Star Trek the original series where he was uh, if you've seen the original series you every episode you will no doubt remember the episode where at the end there was like a little kid who spoke uh, with a, a, a man's voice uh, and that was Clint Howard a very young Clint Howard of course and here he is not he gets to the high to my great amusement, not not many people getting high in Star Trek things as well. I suppose there was the episode of Next Generation where they had those little eye, almost like Google Glass things that got them fucked up. Anyways, uh, we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about uh, the fact that, no, of course the evil uh, Philippa from the sexy universe is not going to just scan the planet. No, no, no. She actually, in fact, brought a bomb that she's going to use to destroy the whole planet. What the fuck? Uh, and it turns out, with Starfleet's knowledge, which is just fucked up, uh, if you listen to my last talk of Star Trek Discovery, my only dislike so far of the show that I love uh, is the fact that Starfleet seems a little less Starfleet uh, in this incarnation. Uh, and I'm happy to report that by the end of this, spoilers, which I would have 
probably warned of already. Uh, they seem to have turned it around. Uh, the this, this final episode, definitely by the end, has sort of turned Starfleet more towards what we have seen it to be in the future. Uh, good, uh, principled, not doing whatever it takes, no matter what, uh, in terms of doing evil shit just to get the job done. So, uh, so that uh, it's funny. It's like they heard my last podcast and uh, how I didn't care for their evilness seeming, and then sort of turned it around. So uh, that's uh, that's appreciated. Uh, what else do my notes say? Uh, half Cleon dude. Uh, yeah, he ends up, this was a little surprising as well, and, and these are all spoilers. Uh, he ends up going with, uh, the Cleon girl. Uh, basically it ends with them sort of having the, their fingers on the bomb that can destroy, uh, the Klingon homeworld in the hopes, and seemingly it's going to work out, to end the war, bring all the clans together, and just sort of be, uh, you know, not good necessarily, I guess, because there's still some war to be had between these two species, I do believe, in terms of canon, but uh, at least not actively all trying to kill all humans all the time. So that's good, I guess. Uh, so surprising the war's over, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, never explained why they look like they do. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, so that's one uh, minor gripe. Probably for others, uh, not minor gripe, uh, the fact that Cleons in this uh, incarnation look different than they have in others. Uh, it was never really explained why that is. I hope they do that sometime, like how they did. Did they ever do it in... Maybe, you know what I'm thinking? In the original series, Cleons looked one way. Just sort of almost human with like kind of different eyebrows and maybe a little darker. Like they didn't really look that different. Uh, and they sort of looked like uh, Ash Takuvma, Ash slash Takuvma, uh, in that regard. So maybe he sort of went on to father a bunch of Klingons or something. I, I, I don't know. It's a whole strange thing. And and I hope there ends up one day being canon to explain the different looks of Klingons throughout the ages. Because that would be cool. And I, and I wonder it could be... It's like a good thought exercise to try to figure that out, actually. Anyways, uh, so uh, there's a... Uh, never explained why. Yes, yes. Uh, there's a daddy-daughter moment between Burnham and uh, her father... Oh, shit. Sarvik? Sarvik? Spock's dad <laughs> at the end uh, and, and when that happened there must have been like lots of dust in my room here because uh, I don't know there's just, like some tears because of all the dust and maybe onions were cut as well I don't know what it was uh, the, the, uh, the, the episode ends with two sort of very cool things uh, okay before that happens they all get uh, awards and a sort of a, like a, a Star Wars style end of thing let's give everyone awards uh, Burnham gives a big long speech for some reason. Uh, I don't really know. <laughs> it almost feels like no one asked her to give a speech. She just started talking, but that's kind of funny. Uh, uh, Tilly's in the command program. Uh, Saru gets the Medal of Honor, first of his kind uh, species to get so uh, to get one. Uh, then they head off to Vulcan to get the new captain. So that's uh, Saru. Uh, like if I was him, I'd feel like a little bit of a slap on the face. He was a good acting captain. Just give him the job. But no. We're going to get a new captain next season, which I believe season two, and maybe even three, has already been greenlit, so that's pretty cool. Now, the very, very final scene, the most of a show that has given me goosebumps many, many times, the most goosebumpy of all scenes, 
uh, is the final one in which uh, we meet up with uh, Captain Pike and the Star the Starship Enterprise. Uh, we don't actually see Captain Pike, um, but uh, he sort of hails an emergency hail, and we see NCC-17, and then we don't say anything, but then obviously it's 01, which is pretty friggin' cool. So uh, the first episode of Season 2 will be something to do with uh, Star uh, the, sh the, <laughs> the Starship Enterprise. Uh, so that's uh, very, very exciting. And uh, they ended this episode with not their normal theme song that they've been using throughout, but instead they used the theme song um, from uh, uh, Star Trek, the original series. So all in all, fucking amazing. 12-minute uh, hot take <laughs> on one episode. Uh, maybe I should do this more often because uh, quite often I obviously don't remember all these things because I watch it and then time passes and that's how memories work. <sighs> okay, so let's uh, continue on uh, with the regular episode. Uh, book Wednesday should be next. Uh, I don't know if there will be a book. Maybe it'll be a double movie monologue. I can't remember. It's also in the future and I am not a future seer aka psychic. Take it away, future Jordan. Editing. 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 Thank you, past Jordan. Huh? Uh, okay, so, uh, you, you know, that was a thing, right? Let's move on to the next thing. Today's book banter is rather a double movie monologue, and its sponsor is the Genesis device. Thank you for that sponsorship. Ah, movie the first, licensed to kill, Timothy Dalton. Hmm, yep. A lot of plane stuff in this one. Uh, hanging from planes, flying planes, planes. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, Timothy Dalton. He's quote-unquote James Bond, I guess. Two, one, uh, I don't know. Some sort of rating. Moving on to a 10 out of 5 movie. What? That's not even a scale. Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan. Yes, potentially, possibly my favorite movie. Uh, the movie that I have seen the most out of all movies, which I think potentially can mean that it's my favorite, right? Like, if you didn't like it, it wouldn't be your most watched movie, so... That stands to reason. Uh, I hadn't seen it when I... You know what I tried to look up and I couldn't find? Uh, have I watched it? Which I assume I have. I must have. Uh, maybe even how many times have I watched it since I started this podcast in 2012? Uh, there's got to be a few in there. I, I, I tried searching through my backlog, but uh, couldn't, couldn't easily find it. So I, I'm curious what I said about it last time and what I will say about it this time. Uh, as I mentioned in the top of the show that it was my birthday weekend, so uh, sometimes it's nice to just uh, do whatever, watch movies you want, do what you want, play uh, 10 hours of D&D, which maybe we'll talk about later. Uh, and this is like a comfort food movie for me, for sure. Uh, 
I don't think I have any movie, uh, and this would be the one where I could do sort of line for line and like say the thing. Like I never watched a movie fifty. Although this one's, I don't think it's close to fifty. Uh, like I, I, I'm not a person who can watch the same movie more than like once a year, sort of thing. No matter my love of it. Uh, that being said. I'm kind of close to being able to do that. <laughs> I think the funniest thing of watching this movie is that, uh, a spoiler, when Spock dies, every time <laughs> it gets very dusty in the room that I am in, or maybe someone cuts onions, I'm not sure what it is, uh, forced uh, through many means um, the missus to watch this. The means included uh, birthday guilt. Uh, she gave me a book of uh, coupons such as you know uh, a back massage uh, um, watch a movie of your choice was one of them which I had to trade in to watch this uh, it's funny because she didn't hate it so you know win question mark uh, if you haven't seen Star Trek 2 The Wrath of Khan you can watch it with not knowing Star Trek so well um, like the misses for example like doesn't really know the original series or anything of it um, but uh, followed along and uh, asked smart questions, so I appreciated that. Uh, it, it's just great. Uh, it's just Ricardo, Ricardo Montalban is a bad guy. It, it sounds kind of strange that that's good, but he's just like crazy over the top, ridiculous, vengeance seeking, uh, bad dude. <laughs> uh, and then you got all your sci fi and the interactions between Kirk, Spock, and McCoy are on point. Uh, wish a little more Scotty. I, I guess that's the disadvantage of him being down in uh, uh, engineering all the time. Anyways, just love it. Love it. 10 out of 5. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sticking with it. Uh, moving on to Atomic Blonde. Oh, this action-y movie. Uh, I think because I do, as I often do, and watched this while playing video games, I think I may have not given it its full potential because uh, I kind of didn't know what was going on some of the time. So... Uh, an unfair review of three out of five. I'm gonna give this uh, good action. Uh, you had the uh, what's her nuts, the main girl working out, <laughs> working out, making out with uh, another girl, and that's uh, you know something I guess. Uh, she, she's good in anything, Charlize Theron or Theron, if you prefer. Uh, and the action's good. Some good fight scenes. Uh, it's just maybe my expectations were too high. Uh, the final movie that I didn't really have any expectations of is The Bad Batch. Uh, just sort of saw this, I think, on a list of post-apocalyptic movies, uh, which I, I, I always like post-apocalyptic stuff, so went in not knowing much, uh, with no real expectations, uh, and was very pleasantly surprised. Uh, yeah, so it's in sort of like a a desert wasteland uh there's cannibals oh shit that was jim carrey <laughs> that's fucked up uh <laughs> uh yeah so uh there was a uh a, the 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 name for jim carrey's character is the hermit and i had no idea it was him because he was like all uh in makeup and like a weird crazy beard although i guess he has a weird beard now uh, yeah, the, not even a clue that it was him. Because uh, also he didn't talk, the hermit. Uh, it had Keanu Reeves, which I wasn't expecting in it. Giovanni Ribisi had quite a big uh, names. Uh, the main girl's name is Suki Waterhouse. 
she played Arlen, the main character. Uh, Jason Momoa. Uh, it was nice to see him. Uh, I've never. I, I know he is uh, Aquaman, but I haven't seen that yet. Uh, so it was nice to see him. See what his acting's like. I, I don't think he he had like a Cuban uh, accent throughout. I don't think he's actually Cuban, is he? Maybe he is. Uh, let me read the. Uh, <laughs> I think the MD looks funny. A love story set in a community of cannibals in a future dystopia Texas. A muscled cannibal breaks one important rule: don't play with your food. <laughs> uh, that's a strange description, and although accurate, uh, doesn't quite do the movie justice. Uh, yeah, uh, five out of five. I I, I can easily go. Uh, it, it's strange. Um, you always think about, or you, one, okay, fine, me, I often think about uh, cannibalism in the uh, apocalypse and how that will play a role, because you have to assume it would, right? Uh, so this sort of uh, delves into that a little bit, uh, and it's creepy, <laughs> very, very uh, creepy. Uh, what else? Uh, nothing, because we're out of time, as you hear. Game Gavin. Today's Game Gavin sponsor is Sentient Corn. Thank you for that. Uh, sponsorship movie the first maze m-a-i-z-e as in corn uh yeah this game is insane um how to explain you are a on a farm uh in which scientific experiments have let's say gone down and these experiments have led to making the corn on the farm sentient. Walking, talking, joking, dancing, not very smart corn. <laughs> so I guess you're trying to figure out how it happened, why it happened. Uh, you're going through the uh, laboratories, uh, the, the whole underground top secret base. Um, strange and mind-boggling uh, absurdist uh, I'm reading the wiki uh, Monty Python meets X-Files humor yeah I, I can buy that um, you are with a Russian Teddy Ruxpin character who sort of is insulting you throughout the game although uh, you, you by the end of the game you sort of like there's not a respect there but uh, at the very least you care what happens to him uh, there's a corn queen. There's uh, evil corn. Uh, I'll, I'll give uh, okay. I'll, I'll give a spoiler. There are in the game um, scarecrows. Uh, okay, I, I won't give the main spoiler. Oh, this game was made uh, in Toronto, which is cool because that's you know like an hour's drive from where I am right now. That's interesting. And uh, it, it was uh, I got it during a Steam sale, and uh, it was well worth whatever price it was. Uh, Rating-wise, I, I go with solid five. Yeah, and quite often when games try to be funny, the game's not great. But uh, this was this was some interesting gameplay. It's basically a point-and-click adventure. 
uh, for the most part, but uh, that it can be boring, and I have played those and given up on them, but uh, this one I made it all the way through easily so. There was only maybe one or two times where um, I didn't get stuck necessarily, but uh, I had to like backtrack and look in places I thought I had already looked, that sort of thing. Uh, it was never onerous though, so that was good. And uh, definitely, definitely some laughs, which uh, I find laughs in video games are hard to come by for some reason, so I recommend Maze. Moving on to Pixel Gladiator. Uh, yeah, just sort of an in uh, interesting little tower defense -y sort of game. Uh, kind of, sort of, kind of, sort of. Uh, it's all 2D. Um, uh, enemies can come from either the left side of the screen or the right side of the screen, and you're sort of building a base. Um, the base is to defend... Uh, I guess you, because if the base goes, nothing really happens. It's only if you're killed. <laughs> Anyways, um, so you're sort of flying around, shooting around. You can build a mech and hop in that. You're killing weird bad guys. Zombie-like, alien-like, just strange-looking in some cases from spawn from hell. Uh, and then it's sort of see how long you can last. You'll get money and then upgrade your base and upgrade yourself. Uh, a quick, cheap little, what is it on Steam? Uh, right now it's 50% off, so it's $2.74. Uh, and if you play it, you know, for a half hour like I did, uh, you'll have some fun. So I would recommend. And it's a game you can pop in and out of pretty quick, so uh, maybe I'll go back. Speaking of maybe I'll go back, Legend of Grimrock. Uh, yeah, this is sort of an old school style, but it came out in 2011. Oh, maybe it is old. Oh no, uh, 2015. Yeah, uh, a dungeon crawler where uh, you're a you play a band of four uh, prisoners trying to escape from this uh, uh, mountain. You've got to sort of work your way down to the bottom. Um, very, very classic sort of uh, RPG, D&D style, so, kind of, sort of, kind of, sort of, in that you're uh, leveling up your stats, you're um, beating bad guys, getting XP, getting new weapons. Uh, it was fun, and uh, I definitely think I can go back. I, I see it's also for mobile, I think, so maybe I'll try that. That might be cool. Today's Internet Intercourse sponsor is Xanthar's Beholder Optometrists. Thank you for that sponsorship. Okay, uh, doing another slightly different, not mm, perhaps necessarily Internet Intercourse uh, related, uh, uh, talk today, and that is D&D stuff. Uh, yeah, so as I will mention for the third time that it was my uh, birthday weekend, part of which entailed playing D&D for... Uh, about 10 hours, a uh, little sh little shy of 10 hours, 10 if you can count like the setting up and such. Uh, when I say playing, I mean uh, DMing. Uh, so what I wanted to talk about was uh, my next plans for campaigns. So getting nearish the halfway point for uh, the current campaign, which I have called the Balance Arc. Uh, stolen that sort of name and the idea of the search for grand relics um, from adventure the uh, the adventure zone obviously uh, very very loosely stole uh, just in the terms of a band of adventurers 
getting grand relics. That's basically where it's a, and there's a Bureau of Balance, um, the, which is nothing like the one from uh, the Adventure Zone. The relics are nothing like. Uh, the overall story, uh, really nothing like. It's just I like that sort of idea. And, and I find uh, it's fun to take an existing thing and tweak it to something you would uh, like more. Uh, and that's sort of what I've done uh, in my next planned one which I've uh, worked on for, Jesus, it's got to be like quite a while, like many months, if not, it'll be probably a year or more of planning has gone into my next one, which I'm calling the Sliders Arc. Uh, if you're unfamiliar with the television show Sliders, uh, a group of folk uh, are uh, hopping from one uh, alternate Earth dimension to another, uh, I sort of took that idea and instead of alternate dimensions, it's going to be a group of adventurers uh, hopping from one D&D uh, plane to another. Uh, if you're unfamiliar with D&D planes, you know, you've got your, your plane of air, your plane of fire, uh, you've got like the abyss, the ethereal plane, there's uh, almost 20 in total. Uh, and what I did was some planes will be sort of traditional dungeon crawly stuff, uh, but then some planes will be, uh, let me just give one away. Uh, the plane of air, for example, uh, it, it's basically just that air. <laughs> so there's not much there. Uh, so they're going to pop into the plane and just be falling. Uh, so obviously the act of falling is not really going to be a dungeon, quote-unquote, uh, but then I've sort of developed some mechanics around uh, around that and, like, how they have to leave. Uh, one of the core sort of mechanics is, like the television show Sliders, uh, they have to uh, leave the plane at a certain time. I've added that they have to leave the plane at a certain place at a certain time, so that adds a little tension uh, to the game, uh, then, okay, so then, that one, I, I, have got the, the, the whole thing planned, jeez, maybe 80%, um, and then it's just gonna need some final tweaking, and it'll be ready to go, uh, so that's, that, that'll be cool, um, then I've sort of tentatively started a post-apocalyptic, uh, uh, campaign idea, uh, f with that, I'm going to uh, try to scientifically explain how a fantasy world could exist. For example, um, dwarves are humans who lived underground after the apocalypse. Uh, they became short of stature, uh, living and digging underground. That, that sort of idea. Like I, I, I have more uh, in-depth scientific stuff built into it. You know what? Unfortunately, I started that one. And then learned that someone had already done that, which I guess I shouldn't be too surprised. Uh, so a lot of the work is probably already done. I was, for that one, uh, contemplating and had done a lot of work into developing my own uh, system uh, instead of the strength. Oh, you know what? I, I should open it up. Okay, wait. Uh, do I have it here? Instead of your, you know, strength, charisma, dexterity, intelligence... Uh, I was sort of working on my own system. Uh, I'll open it up here. Da, da, da. Uh, rules, custom. Uh, okay, so uh, it was going to be the BR system. Uh, so you have brain, 
Brawn, uh, Bravery, and Breaker. Those were your four stats. Uh, let me read... Uh, Okay, so brain is all skills involving the wisdom and intelligence and how charismatic you are uh, uh, that comes from having a, a powerful brain. Brawn, all skills involving the health and abilities of your physical body. So like strength, dexterity, constitution. Bravery, uh, all skills that come with the life of an adventurer. Survival, dungeoneering, rogue abilities. Um, uh, and this bonus is where your proficiency sort of comes into play. Uh, breaker, uh, powered by the same force that broke the world, the, irra the irradiation within you has powered mutations that uh, let you affect the physical world in ways that seem like magic. Uh, so then these sort of things balance each other out, so... Uh, the brave, so brain versus bravery. Uh, the brave thing to do may not always be the smartest thing to do. Sometimes your brain will let you, will tell you that fighting the musics is not a, uh, fighting the mutants is not a good idea. Uh, but sometimes your bravery will tell you it has to be done. Or brawn versus breaker. Uh, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger is not true when it comes to the irradiation that powers your special magical abilities. So uh, I, I sort of developed a system where if you are uh, strong in breaker, which is like irradiation, which is what is generating quote-unquote magic, then you're going to be less strong in brawn because of the irradiation and vice versa. Your brain is going to fight your bravery. Um, so the, boar, the four Bs uh, fight balance with one another, 24-point uh, buy in each of the two groups. Um, so you're sort of sacrificing one for the other. So you'll never be strong in both brain and bravery, or both brawn and breaker. You sort of have to balance them to fit what sort of uh, classes you want. Uh, I developed different races. I've got dwarf, elf, human, dwarf, mutant, elf, mutant, human, mutant, genetically engineered animal hybrid, and robot AI. Uh, I've got different classes, but I've sort of... Uh, taken and, and this is all sort of in general taken 5e fantasy rules and uh, taken them to fit this sort of world is my plan which is still obviously very tentative but uh, I've done some work so uh, barbarian fighter ranger uh, the class is called the law uh, like a uh, sort of a gunslinger from the dark tower type uh, and then also the muscle so uh uh, that's more like a uh, uh, probably closer to the uh, barbarian barbarian type so the law and the muscle uh, bard and rogue have turned into uh, the traveler uh, always moving never stay in one place sometimes because can't I guess like chased off uh, monk paladin cleric I've turned into the doctor and the truth seeker uh, sorcerer, warlock, druid, uh, the historians, uh, those are people who use like old tech from the old world, uh, and then the breaker, which is uh, people who, sort of a real magic user, uses its uh, radiation abilities to 
have magic-like abilities. Uh, I'm sort of coming up with math to convert things as well, uh, which uh, I'm making headway. I'm making headway, let's say. Uh, I'm calling that the Earth Arc, E-R-T-H. Uh, last but not least, one that I just came up with uh, a couple of weeks ago that I'm planning, uh, and I may skip the Earth Arc to move on to this, just because someone's already done the post-apocalyptic fantasy thing, uh, and that is a Star Trek arc, uh, unnamed so far, where uh, the idea is Q took... Uh, some of all of the races um, that exist within Star Trek and sort of uh, uh, transplanted them into a, uh, a fantasy realm or not even a fantasy realm just a uh, yeah yeah a, a fantasy realm let's call it uh, this is still tentative I'm sort of working it out in my brain obviously uh, so he took some of all the races from the Star Trek universe uh, brought them to this world uh, he actually became trapped there himself because of uh, the magic that he created in this world. Uh, so, for example, um, things like uh, uh, elves, uh, sorry, Vulcans over the millennia turn into elves, uh, Kleonons turn into dwarves, um, uh, people who have magic abilities are uh, offspring of Q, that sort of idea. Uh, because he's trapped here, uh, you know, stuff like that. Okay, so uh, I guess that's it for D&D talk of future possibilities. What do you think? Tell me, and remember, it's nice to be nice to the nice. This is the end of the show. A sincere thank you for listening. Time to plug some things and I do not mean. Buts. You can like us on Facebook. You can follow Jordan underscore Maywood on Twitter. You can subscribe and comment on iTunes. Lastly, if you would like to contact the podcast, you can email. Jordan.Maywood at gmail.com I would like to conclude that I am not a robot and that I have a theory. I've got a theory that it's a demon, a dancing demon. Something isn't right there. I've got a theory. The best is yet to come, and babe, won't it be fine? You think you've seen the sun, but you ain't seen it shine. Wait till the warm-up's underway. Wait till our lips have met. Wait till you see that sunshine day You ain't seen nothing yet The best is yet to come and be Won't it be fine The best is yet to come Live long and prosper